Thank you uh, to our worship team. Can we give God praise for the worship team one more time this morning? Good stuff. As always, we're thankful for them. Absolutely. We are so blessed uh, to them, not just thankful uh, for our worship team, but thankful for all uh, of our awesome teams here at Hope Des Moines. Sometimes we forget that to be the church, we have to be the church. Uh, we can't do this thing without you. And so we're thankful not only to all of you that are walking around with those uh, blue shirts this morning, but to so many of you that make this happen that are here long before. Uh, many of us helping uh, making breakfast upstairs and serving that and welcoming people, uh, handing out bulletins, making the coffee, setting up chairs. There's people here late at, late at night cleaning up after a big old Jesus party last night, getting ready for another party this morning. So we're thankful for all of you. And actually, that's one of the things that I love about you as a church. And I want you to know that this morning. And I'm not trying to be cheesy and I'm not trying to suck up or anything like that. I'm just telling you the truth. I love you. I really love you a lot. And one of the things that I love uh, so much is it is the middle of June. It, is, it was full last night. It's full this morning. Uh, and there's this idea that sometimes in the summer we get a little lackadaisical or a little lazy in our faith. And I'm just so thankful that has never been the case. In fact, I have a friend that's a pastor uh, up in Minnesota. And if you lived in Minnesota or know any Minnesotans during the summer, a lot of people go up north. Yeah, they go up to the north country, right? And you see a whole bunch of Subaru Foresters and Honda CRVs with, with uh, racks and kayaks and boats heading up north. And that's great. That's fun. I want you to rest. I want you to take vacations. But that means a lot of times that churches kind of go, well, there's nobody here. Like, should we keep going or not? And so one of my buddies that's a pastor up in Minnesota just had had it with this. And, and people not showing up for worship during the summer, that he just took a big old piece of plywood, like a giant sign, and stuck it in the front yard of the church that says, yes, we're still open. And just put it right there uh, on the main drag just to remind people of that because there's this idea that somehow the Holy Spirit stops working during the summer and just because our schedules change and our priorities change and we get busy and there's kids activities and we're going on vacation that somehow God stops moving but that is definitely not the case I know a lot of you aren't around here during the week and so I just want to give you a snapshot of how God is moving in June in the middle of summer in Iowa around here. So I'm leaving the other week and I'm, I'm walking out and upstairs uh, is our new creative team, uh, our creative arts team that's working on this painting. We're gonna show you in a little bit. You're gonna hear much more about that later, but they're working away. This group that didn't exist a couple months ago, it's brand new. And so uh, artists and painters and sculptors and, and um, uh, photographers and designers. And if you're interested in that team, I would encourage you, mark that on your card this morning and they would love to have you as they grow that team. A couple Fridays, ago, uh, driving home uh, by our house over there by Drake Park, uh, and see Luis and our uh, outreach team to uh, Latino population here in Des Moines. They're doing some parties in the park this summer, throughout the summer on Friday nights, and we would encourage you uh, to check those out. There's a few more coming up here in the next few months. If you're interested in that, write that on your card today, too, as they're reaching out to an ever-growing uh, uh, multicultural population here uh, in the city. So a lot of you were there helping out uh, with that as well. Finally, this last week, I uh, was able to sit in on a meeting uh, of some of our awesome leaders that are young adults, our 20s and 30-somethings, and you heard about uh, Revive, uh, our young adult ministry out at our West Des Moines campus, but I'm really excited to say that we have a brand new team uh, that's formed here uh, that is going to offer sort of a Revive downtown option, and so that'll be coming and that'll be growing uh, as well, specifically for 20s and 30s. 20 and 30-something, it's a mouthful, it's hard to say, uh, but that leadership team is growing together and we're forming that team right now that's going to be planning some events and Bible studies and groups uh, and maybe eventually a, a midweek worship service for young adults right here at Hope Des Moines. So we're really excited about that as well. If you're interested in that, 
Mark it on your card. Talk to one of us afterwards, uh, and we'd love to have your input on that. And oh yeah, by the way, this little thing called VBS that's coming up as well. We're pretty excited uh, about that. So needless to say, you're not going to see any yes, we're open sign out there because it's pretty evident that we're open because God is on the move this summer. Amen? Amen. Thank you. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, Amen? God's on the move. So we're excited about that. We're excited about what God uh, is doing here. And really, that is the theme. That is the central theme. That is the central idea of this sermon series that we're in on the book of Acts. Everybody say Acts. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up to the book of Acts. We're going to be in chapter 9 today. So at all of our campuses, we're doing this series called The Summer of Acts, and we're going through this entire book. And if you're new to the Bible, Acts is going to be kind of in the the back third of your Bible after the gospel. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So the same guy that wrote uh, the book of Luke wrote Acts, and that's Luke. So uh, chronologically, Acts would follow kind of part two uh, of the book of Luke, and it's the story of the early church. So to get you up to speed, God's people called the church have uh, gone now on this incredible mission to make disciples and to be witnesses, what Jesus called them to do and tell everyone everywhere about Jesus. And so you just start hearing these incredible stories. I don't think they took the summer off in the book of Acts because God's just doing all these amazing things. Lives are being changed. Miracles Uh, are happening, and the gospel is spreading now from the central hub of Jerusalem, where a lot of these events in the gospels took place, and now it's spreading all over the Roman Empire. The problem was that just like today, that back then, not everybody was super thrilled about this movement. Not everybody was really excited about this whole Jesus thing, most notably a guy named Saul. Everybody say Saul. Some of you are like, Saul, I've heard of Paul, but I haven't heard of Saul. We're about to find out about that today. Saul of Tarsus. And you know, we have a mission here to spread the everlasting love of Jesus Christ, to reach out to the world around us. Probably the place that you work for has a mission statement. A lot of the places that you eat at or shop at in their corporate headquarters, they have a mission statement and everything like that. Well, Saul had a mission statement for his life uh, as well, and it was basically to destroy the Jesus movement. To destroy, well, it wasn't really called Christianity yet. People were just called the followers of the way. Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. And so they were just followers of the way. And yet Saul, his primary mission for his life was to hunt down and arrest Christians and sometime, sometimes have them executed. That was his mission. Not everybody was excited about that until, for Saul, his encounter with God, with Jesus himself. Because what I want you to hear today is that a changed mission in your life is a changed life. A changed mission is a changed life for Saul and for every single one of us. And so to kind of get the wheels turning this morning, I want to pose that question before you this morning. If you had a mission statement for your life, what would it be? What is your mission? What's your purpose? What's your your primary motivation for why you do the things you do? That was Saul's mission statement. The church has a mission statement. We do collectively as a church. What is your call that God has placed on your life? And what if God showed up today and wanted to change it? What if you were going a certain direction in your life and God said, I got something different for you. I have a deeper and and different purpose for you in your life, and that's exactly what happened to Saul. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 9, I would encourage you to follow along with me. Acts chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 1. So it says this, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Murderous threats. Now, Paul is 
uh, Saul at the time is on his way to Damascus, this road to Damascus, and I read he's breathing out murderous threats. And I think about this visually. Ever seen one of those cartoons where the cartoon character has steam coming out of their ears? You know what I mean? That's what I think about it. In those days, it was actually improper for somebody to run. And so either you were riding a horse, or I don't know, maybe he was so focused and intense he was speedwalking. You ever seen a speedwalker? This is, this, is a, this is an Olympic sport, and people just, like, they, they, they walk like this. I'm like, speed walking is running. Like, why don't they just run? That's what I don't, that's what I don't uh, understand. So Saul is probably speed walking uh, to Tarsus, and out he goes, and there, there he's going, and he's got steam coming out of his ears. It says he's breathing out murderous threats. And so he's walking along the road to Damascus, and I don't know about you, but have you ever been so set on something in your life that you've got a particular agenda or a certain idea and nobody can tell you that it's wrong. Call it pride, call it arrogance, call it stubbornness, whatever it is. You ever just been so focused that nobody could tell you that you're wrong? Well, that was Saul at the time. That was Saul. He, he was so focused and the reason is Saul was a Pharisee. And along with a lot of the other Pharisees, they didn't so much welcome this whole Jesus movement, but instead they saw it as a threat to the, to the law, to the Torah that God had laid down centuries ago. And so here's Saul, and he thinks that he's doing uh, God a service, that in the name of religion, he is going and hunting down Christians. So he thinks he's doing the right thing. I remember one of my uh, college buddies had a sign uh, on his dorm room wall that I'll never forget. It says, pursue God's agenda, not yours with God's name on it. Pursue God's agenda, not your agenda with God's name on it. And a lot of times we like to do things in the name of religion. And a lot of terrible things have been done over the years in the name of religion, in the name of the church. And some of you have been hurt by that because we get all mixed up. And for Paul, his story was that he would rather be right than let the love of God all the way into his heart. And so in his mind, he's doing the right thing. And I just wonder, I just get this picture of Saul full steam ahead, thinking he's doing the right thing. He's on a certain road in his life. Are you on the right road? Is your life headed the right direction? I mean, if you kept going today, with the choices you're making and the priorities you're making, the decisions you're making, how do you know you're on the right path? <laughs> Are you going the right direction in your life? For Saul, it was just kind of, he thought he was doing the right thing, but how do you know you're on the right path? What mission are you on these days? And is it heading the direction you want to go? Until God shows up, we think we're doing the right thing. Sometimes we pick up the story in verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you pers... I mean, thinking like a James Earl Jones type of voice. Like, if you ever hear God on the road, it's probably like a Darth Vader type voice. Um, he fell to the ground and he heard a voice, why do you persecute me? And then, this, this is so intriguing, he says... Who are you, Lord? And if I'm Jesus, I'm like, well, dude, you just answered your own question, right? right? Who, you, know there's a, there's, I, you know I'm God and I'm speaking to you, Saul asked. And then here's some words you never want to hear if you're on your way to kill Christians. I am actually Jesus that's speaking to you, and I'm the one that you're persecuting, right? You don't want to hear that, he replied. And I believe the technical term here for Saul is busted. You ever been there? Caught? 
in the wrong. And Jesus says, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what to do next. And so Saul has this incredible experience, so much so that the light is blinding, that it it blinds him for several days. And so his friends have to help him and they follow God's word and they go into the city of Damascus to this man's house called Ananias that God had set up there. So Saul's pride (laughs) crushed. His mission derailed. And some of you have been there. Some of you have been at that place in your life where you're at a fork in the road and something happens to you and God shows up and intervenes and you cannot keep going the way that you were. But you have to understand at this point, from what we know about Saul, he is the most unlikely person to ever be used by God. This is a guy that was on his way to persecute and destroy the Jesus movement. And at this point, if, you, if we didn't know the rest of the story, you'd think, what in the world is Jesus thinking, calling out this guy? I don't know about you, but have you ever, have you ever known somebody and you just, you're thinking about that person right now that's so far away from God? Is there anybody, like a family member or a friend that you're just like, they would never do the whole church thing, <laughs> Right? They would rather, they would rather uh, explore their fear of heights or handle a snake or see a spider than step inside the walls of a church building. Like, they want nothing to do with that. Either they've been hurt by the church or burned by the church or something, but they are so far from God. Maybe that was you. <laughs> Maybe it's a miracle that you're sitting here this morning thinking, I'm not really kind of a churchy, religious kind of person. And yet it's a miracle that you're sitting in this place today. The entire book of Acts and, and, and Saul's story here at the beginning of the book of Acts is really the entire theme of the whole book. Those that you think are on the outside, you're on the inside. So many of you, your experience with spirituality and religion and the church has been like, you know, there's those people that are kind of insiders, and then there's me. I don't feel like I fit in with all the other churchy people. I feel like I'm on the outside. And Jesus is calling out to us through the story of Saul saying, no, I am busting wide the doors open on the church. And this is for everybody. Whether you're young or old or rich or poor or you have housing or you don't have housing, you're from the city or from the suburb or whatever your political affiliation is or whatever your background is, whether you grew up in the church or not, Jesus says the church is for you. If I can meet Saul on the road to Damascus, I can meet you wherever you're at this morning, even if you want nothing to do with me. Even if you're here this morning and you don't really feel that connection with God yet, he meets you exactly where you are. The most unlikely people become a part of it. So the first thing that you got to know about finding your mission your mission statement this morning is that you're never too far away. You're never bad enough. You're never, you're never unqualified enough for God to find you and renew your mission. And that was certainly the case for another man that you may have heard of named Jean Valjean. Everybody say with kind of a breathy voice, say Jean Valjean. Everybody just say that. Jean Valjean, right? You've heard of the, 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 the movie uh, Les Mis, and I know how to say that now, uh, but several years ago before I was married, I did not know how to say that uh, because I was not cultured. And then I met my wife, and she got up to me up to speed with the rest of humanity, uh, with, with everything, because I had never seen this movie. And so when this came out, you know, it's a fairly famous movie. It's a musical, right? We know that. 
I didn't know that at the time, right? So I wasn't up to speed. And so the, the new movie uh, is coming out with the new characters, an up-to-date version, everything like that. And so we're going to go on a date. This was several years ago. And she says, oh, we're going to go to this new movie. And we're looking at the movie poster, and I'm like, Les Miserables? Like, what is that? Like, Honey, it's Les Mis. Oh, okay, gotcha. And so we go, and we get about 10 or 15 minutes into the movie, and I'm having my pop and popcorn, and we're sitting there, and you know, everybody in the theater is obviously huge Les Mis fans or anything like that. I'm not. And so I'm sitting there, and they just start singing, like, the whole time. And they just, like, they're this close to each other, and they're just singing. And I'm, like, so confused. And about 10 minutes into the movie, I lean over to Tiffany, and I go, Honey? why do they keep singing to each other? Like, they're right next to each other. Why can't they just talk? And then I get the look. Guys, you ever gotten the look? You know what I'm talking about? You get the look. Guys that are married, you know, you've seen that look from your wife before, and she just go, looks at me and says, honey, it's a musical. Like, she's embarrassed to be in public with me all of a sudden. Honey, it's a musical. They're singing. And I go, oh, well, that would be helpful to know, right? And so then the rest of the movie makes sense, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be dumb. I hate musicals. I loved it. And here's why. Because of certain scenes like this. Jean Valjean is a well-known criminal. He's a convict. He's a thief. And he's in this spiral in his life where he just keeps making bad decisions until he experiences, just like Saul, until he experiences the love of God through the local bishop. Watch what happens when God's grace transforms somebody. Let's take a look. What I love is the look on his face at the end. He is so busted, <laughs> just like Saul. And he's saying, why are you doing this for me? Because in the eyes of our world, in the eyes of our culture, grace doesn't make sense. He is so busted. He is deserving of punishment. He is guilty. He is going down the wrong path until God intervened. And there's a reason that the, the stories like Les Mis and movies like that and many others that we love have stood the test of time is because you know that later on in the story, I'm going to tell you right now, he doesn't stay that way. He becomes a transformed man. And Jean Valjean ends up being this famous guy that loves and serves and helps hundreds and thousands of people and makes a difference in the world. God completely changes life, and that's why we call it amazing grace. It's not, here's a little boost, grace. It's, I'm going to radically transform your life. Grace isn't something, the love of God isn't something we just kind of attach and Velcro to the side of our hip and say, well, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, but now I'm a Christian too. It changes everything. It completely transformed Jean Valjean's life, and it completely transformed Saul's life as well. We love turnaround stories because we want that to be our story as well. Every single one of you long for things to be different in your life, even if it's just small little things. Even if I want to eat healthier, I want to be skinnier, I want to be stronger, I want to be kinder, I want to be a better friend, I want to be a better employee, whatever it is, all these things, we long to be transformed. But there's also something inside of us, I believe, that longs to find our purpose. We long to find our mission. We don't want to just get by. We don't want to just survive. We long for that to be our story. In fact, did you hear the words that the bishop sung, not spoke, right? It's a musical, duh, right? That he sung to Jean Valjean. He said, God has raised you out of darkness. I've called you to a higher plan, so leave your old life behind. And that's what God is calling out to some of you this morning. It's time to leave your old life behind and step out of your smaller story and into God's larger plan. Leave the old life behind, Valjean. Leave the old life behind, Saul. 
God says to him on the road. And so the story continues. Saul goes to Ananias' house, and it literally says that, that when Ananias prays for him and baptizes him, that the scales fall off his eyes, and now he can see. And I'm just thinking about that. God wants to open some of your eyes this morning. You're going down the wrong path. And not just big, horrible, terrible sins. Some of you just got off a little bit somewhere along the way. And God says, I want you to get back on the road with my purpose and my plan for your life. Never underestimate what God can do. And it says, at once, after that experience, Saul, now Paul, hey, if you start following Jesus, you could get your name changed. Bonus, right? And now Paul is preaching the gospel. The same guy that was hunting down Christians is now making them, is now converting people. For some of you, I believe God wants to open your eyes to the mission that he has for you. And so God meets us where we are, and then he calls us out of our smaller story and into a bigger purpose. What Are you living in some sort of smaller story? This morning, you see Valjean, he it was, it was living life as a victim. And some of you this morning may have that mentality. It's easy to grow bitter and jaded and cynical about life when you think the world owes you something all the time. And that was his smaller story that just consumed him. For Saul, his smaller story was religion. And for some of you, that's it as well. He would rather win arguments and be right and hold on to his agenda rather than to let the love of God deep into his heart. So I wonder what smaller story is it easy for you to get wrapped up in? What can easily consume you? So as you think about your past and as you think about the ways that you long to change, we didn't want to just talk about it this morning. We wanted you to experience it. So underneath every single one of your chairs, there's two pieces of paper. There's a red one and a blue one. No, this is not the matrix. I'm not asking you to choose. Uh, But I want you to take the red piece of paper to start, and that is going to be your past. That is going to be things that you long to change in your life. So as we're talking about this transformation that Saul changes to Paul, that he leaves the old life behind and steps into the new life. What I want you to do is write down a word or a phrase, or if you're artsy, if you want to draw it, mine would be stick people, and that's okay too. Uh, If you want to draw something that represents the old you, something that represents the life that you want to leave behind, the, the small story that you've been living in. You don't have to write your name on it. This is completely anonymous. And then after the service, we're actually going to collect those, and the creative team is going to take these with the other sheet eventually, and we're going to make this beautiful collage that you want to come and see next week. What is it that God is calling you to leave behind? Maybe it's a mistake that you've made from the past that you think defines you. Maybe it's playing the victim and being cynical and jaded. But a lot of you think, well, I don't really have anything terrible that's going on in my life right now. And here's the thing. Often our smaller stories are more subtle than that. Could one of you guys grab the whiteboard for me quick? That'd be awesome. Uh, Often our smaller stories, they're, they're more subtle than that. Often, I think one of the devil's greatest tactics is not to tempt us with these big, horrible sins that are, that are public and for everybody to see. Yes, he wants to do that. But I think one of his greatest tactics is to lull us into complacency. Is to, to make us think that all these good things that we have in our life are actually the most important things. Everybody say, thanks, Jed. He's everywhere. So if you think about it, your entire life, if everything in your entire life is, is, is in this circle and we ask, what is it that you're putting at the center of your life? What is the central story and purpose of your life? 
a lot of times we love to put good things in there. It's not some big, horrible sin. For some of you, it's, it's your kids' activities. That's the world that I'm uh, living in right now, and that can easily consume you. For some of you, maybe it's your hobbies, all these things that are good, the things that you love to do and stay active for you. It's, it's running or, or cycling or exercise or things like that. For some of you, the smaller story that's so easy to get consumed in is things that you see online. It's social media and the the comparison game that's so easy to play on Facebook and Twitter. All these things are what we call smaller stories. And the reason that they don't fulfill us and that they can't be at the center of our lives is they don't satisfy. At the end of the day, they can't give us the purpose and the mission that we're looking for. And some of you are saying, geez, John, well, like, these are all good things, and you can come up with what those things are. God says, I don't want to take your joy today. <laughs> I don't want to take all the things that make you happy. I want to give these their proper place. I want to give you true joy. And you're only going to find true joy when you put, if you can't read this, it says mission, when you put God's mission at the center of your life, and then all those other things find their proper place. They find their meaning by supporting the central mission and purpose of your life. What's at the center of your life? God says, I don't want you to miss the point. Don't get lost and consumed in those smaller stories. And that was certainly the case for a guy named David Neville. I believe that's how you say his last name. And this may be, I'm just telling you right now, I've shown you some pretty strange videos over the years. This may be the strangest thing you've ever seen at a church service. I'm telling you right now. But it's going to drive home this point. This guy is consumed with something that's a small, small story. It's hilarious and it's funny. And I'm giving you permission to laugh. But this guy spent months in an abandoned cold garage with the life-saving purpose and mission and goal of separating the cookie of an Oreo from the cream. Yes, he devoted his entire life's purpose and mission for months to separating Oreos. Take a look. I guarantee no other church in the country showed that video this morning. I'm telling you that right now. I don't know about you, but I cannot help but watch that and say, or you could just lick it off, right? You could just scrape it off, and that would solve your entire life's journey and purpose, right? Doesn't every ounce of you watch that and go, what are you doing with your life? And in a loving, compassionate way, God is asking some of you the same question. What are you doing with the time, the precious days that God has given you on this earth? And I get it. That is an extreme, goofy example, right? But when we put other things at the center of our lives and expect them to fulfill us, we are setting ourselves up for failure. You cannot get life from consuming yourself with that sort of purpose and passion. It's got to be bigger than that. Satan loves to lull us into smaller missions, smaller purposes. And none of those things are bad. I just want you to put them in the proper place of your life. Put Jesus Christ at the center of your life, and all those other things will start to make sense. Now I have real and true joy. That's goofy. That's funny. But at the end of the day... He's left unfulfilled, and many of you are as well. Have you asked God what your bigger purpose in life is? Now, I'm not suggesting like you go into work tomorrow and say, I quit because I need to go into full-time ministry because that's the only way I can make a difference in this world. Absolutely not. Chances are it's closer than you think. Chances are it's not leaving what you're currently doing. It's 
doing what you're already doing with gospel intentionality, being who you are, where you are. Chances are that's what God is asking you to do this morning. So he meets us where we are. He calls us out of our smaller Oreo stories and invites us in to his larger plan. Watch what God did with Saul. Did God say, you know what? I'm going to make Saul something that he's not. No, he completely changed his life. But God's looking for a church planner. God's looking for somebody that has certain gifts and skills and passions. And he sees Saul and he goes, now there's a guy that has great communication skills. There's a guy that has incredible speaking skills and he's a motivator and and he can convince people of things and he can move people forward on a mission. If you're looking for somebody to change the world, I'm going to take everything and all the gifts and skills and passions and experiences that Saul has and I'm going to completely repurpose his passion. And God wants to do the same thing with you. God wants to take the things that you love, that you're passionate about, that bring you joy, and ask you, how can you use those very things for the sake of the kingdom? Because I want to give you true joy. And because God radically changed Saul to Paul and changed his life, Christianity spreads all over the Roman Empire. Paul plants all these churches, and you're holding a good maybe third of the Bible written by that same guy. Never underestimate what God can do. Even with that person in your life you're thinking of right now that says they would never be a Jesus person. Never put anything past God. And that's what your blue card is for today. So now take the other card that you have and opposed to the red one, which is what you're leaving behind, take the blue one now and say, God, what is it that you're calling me towards? What am I leaving behind? What is your purpose? What is your mission? What is God calling you to change? Even if you're not there yet, None of us have fully arrived, right? Write down, what is God calling you to be? What is God calling you to do? Who is the new version of you that God is calling you into? And again, we're going to have a basket in the back that you can leave these cards at or you can leave them on your chairs, whatever's easiest for you. We're going to collect all those and then the creative team's going to make something. So come back next week to see that. What is God calling you into? God can repurpose anything, including art, and we have a lot of artists here in our community. It's the, the Arts Festival weekend downtown, and we, so we want to have a little artsy flair to our service here as well. And so I told you about our creative team earlier where they created a video, where they created a, a video about a very specific painting that they want to show you here today. And so I want you to take a look at this group of people, local artists from right here in the Hope Des Moines community that wanted to give you a different take on Saul's conversion story. Let's take a look. Let's give God praise for our uh, creative team. Absolutely. You betcha. I want to welcome up one of those artists that you saw uh, in the video right here from Hope to Everybody say, good morning, Chris. Uh, we're so excited uh, to have you here today. You want to turn a little bit? We're kind of crowded over there. There's people over there today. So, um, hey, we've been talking this morning about how God repurposes our passions, and I can't think of a better guy to have up here sitting with me uh, than Chris. I've got to know him over the last few months. Chris is an incredible incredible artist. And uh, we want to celebrate him this morning and what God is doing in his life. And God takes our gifts and our passions just like he did with Saul's and he repurposes them for his glory. And so Chris was a part of making this painting, which is based on a a famous picture of uh, Saul uh, falling down on the ground and getting knocked down. And so they each made their own version of that. And Chris, I believe yours is in the the upper right, right? That's your medium up there? Absolutely. So all four different artists created these individually and then all put them together. So before we get into that, though, Chris, tell tell everybody just a little bit about 
your hope story. So how did you come to hope and get involved here, and what has God done in your life? Um, I came in or, uh, roughly a year and a half ago. I think it was the first time I came in. Yeah. And I just kept coming back. And uh, at one point, uh, John said something during the message. Was uh, He asked a, a question. Was he said, are you, he said, are you all in? And uh, I made the decision that day uh, that I was going to be all in. Hmm. Uh, and at the time, and I have the time and, and everything to do it. And yeah. uh, so that's one of the reasons you see me around here as much as you do. Uh, <laughs> And it's a choice that's, that I made, and it's one of the best choices I've ever made in my life. Yeah. Um, I, God started changing me from the inside out. Yeah. And um, You wouldn't consider yourself a churchy guy <laughs> no. from your past. No. Yeah. No. And uh, I just, I started volunteering. The more involved you get, yeah. the more you volunteer. You get yeah. to know people. And uh, to be totally upfront relationships was not my best point never was yeah. and any, any of them that I developed weren't healthy they weren't good they weren't yeah. godly yeah and they are today and I know yeah. people here and they know me and yeah. uh, I know them by name and I know you know like who their kids are I know what their hobbies are I know what they like to do yeah that's awesome yeah so Chris is a very very talented artist one of the things that we don't have time to show you everything that he's done uh, but one of the things that Chris has done he's he's a great cartoonist uh, you see, we see those in the paper, and so what he does is he takes these Bible stories, and when you pick up a, a, a Hope Kids bag in the, in the blessing bag in the back for your kiddos, or even those that are out at our West Des Moines campus, coloring sheets that are maybe like mass-produced and done by professionals, a lot of those are done by this guy right here, that God used his passion, so they're blessing your Yeah, you give God praise for that, absolutely. So he did those. Um, kind of a homegrown thing, and, and this isn't to puff you up or anything, we're just giving God praise for you this morning. But Chris is an incredible artist, so tell us about that transition for you from using your gifts and skills for your own glory and your own purposes, and how has art shaped your faith? How has God used art to help grow your faith in your relationship with God? Uh, it's something that I, I always wanted to do, yeah. and uh, I, I shouldn't say always, but probably starting six, seven years ago, I had that desire yeah. that my artwork would honor God. Uh, and it just never seemed like it just never came together. Yeah. I, I don't know why. Uh, I didn't know at the time, and I realize now the reason it didn't was because I wasn't ready. Hmm. Um, I, it was, there was still too much Chris involved in it, yeah. and that wasn't going to work. Yeah. Uh, and so I got, you know, I had this invitation to do, start doing things around here, and when Jen first came to me and mentioned it to me, I was like, I was in tears. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I've been wanting this for a long time. <laughs> And here it finally was starting to happen. Yeah. And so what I look at now is that uh, I'm getting to, to do something I've always wanted to do. And whatever talent or ability I've been given, I want it to glorify Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's my desire. Yeah. Um, uh, how could I not want to? And what could be better? Yeah. That's the way I see it now. Yeah. And Chris, what I love about your story, and I wish we had time to unpack uh, the whole thing. Maybe we don't have time to do that this morning. But what I love about your story is that God said, I don't want to change your story. Mm, no. God says, I want to use your story. And all the good and the bad and the ups and the downs and the peaks and valleys has made you who you are. Yeah. And now because of your story, because of what you faced in your past, I think it's making your ministry now even more impactful. 
because what, have God, what God has done through you. And so I think you are an amazing example and testimony for our community here to not hide your past, no. but to accept it and say, this is who I am, and say, God has changed me, like you said, from so, the inside out. What, what, yeah. what the Lord showed me was, as far as my past is, and we went all through this, I've told you this yep. whole story, to make it real short, what he showed me was when we were all done, yeah. and then he said, Chris, that is your past, it's now become your history. Yep, and what I like to say a lot is that we are, we are products of our past, right? But we do not have yep. to be prisoners to our past. No. And that's what we're about as a church, is we're about transformation. Yep. And so we don't just read about these stories in the Bible. The Bible is coming to life, amen, right amen. here in front of us. So praise God. Would you thank God and praise God for Chris? Thanks, brother. Absolutely. You bet. And we could go on and on and on with stories uh, like that, I'm sure, but I love that these stories aren't just in the Bible. You see evidence of them up here, and for some of you, it's that you're artists. For some of you, you're accountants or bankers or stay-at-home moms or teachers. God can use you, and he wants to take you out of your smaller story this morning and repurpose your passion for his glory. I want to end this morning with a story that I think kind of pulls some of this together, and it's pretty uh, personal to me, I don't know how you top Chris's story, but I'm going to try here, uh, to share with you and just to further emphasize this point of what God can do just like he did for Paul. My uncle Mike is uh, a couple years younger than my dad, and growing up, my uncle Mike always wanted to do something great for God. And he, he always wanted to, to go into ministry because he thought, well, if you're really going to make a difference for God in your life, well, you got to got to be a pastor. You got to be a worship leader. You got to be a missionary in Africa or something crazy like that. And life happened. <laughs> Bounced around to a few different colleges and junior colleges and ended up getting a part-time job at what was then Northwest Airlines. Somebody just kind of being the mail guy and bringing the boss coffee and things like that and eventually worked his way up to the IT department. And about 10 years into it, he was feeling that ache of going, God, <laughs> separating Oreos here. Like, what am I doing with my life? I don't feel like I'm making an impact. And he had one of those road to Damascus moments where God showed up and says, Michael, I want you to go on mission right where you are today. I want to use your past. And God had given him tremendous gifts and speaking skills and, and people skills and to love and care and listen for people so well. And he's like, how can I use those at Northwest Airlines, which is now Delta Airlines after the merger. And so here he says, here I am in, in, in building B and the fourth floor of the headquarters of Delta. And I'm sitting here in this giant cubicle land <laughs> saying, what am I doing with my life? God, can I really make an impact for you? And it's God came to him about 10 years in and say, Michael, I want you to start serving where you are. And so start looking around you. And what he noticed in that all the people around him, there's a lot of lost and hurting and broken people right there around him in his workplace that he sees every day. And the second thing he noticed is that everybody leaves for lunch. <laughs> everybody leaves for snacks. They go to the coffee shop or they go out and about or they go to the gas station. Nobody stays because nobody knows each other. They're just anonymous. And so he has this idea and he goes to Costco or Sam's Club and just buys in bulk tons of sandwiches. Tons of chips, tons of lunch food and candy bars and snacks and sodas and all sorts of stuff. And he brings them back and he says, I don't know if this is legal or not, but I'm going to try it. And he creates this thing called Mike's Mini Mart in his cubicle. Right there in building B of the fourth floor 
at Delta, Mike's Mini Mart, and he starts selling snacks and lunch food for quarters, for 25 cents a piece, so that people will be drawn to his cubicle, and people start coming, and it becomes sort of the water cooler of their office area, and he starts talking to people, and he starts interacting with people. He, somebody makes him a plaque that says Mike's Mini Mart, and it's starting to spread throughout Delta, and like everybody's coming up, and there's this big group of people gathered around his little cubicle there, and he starts to share his story that he always wanted to be a missionary, that he always wanted to make an impact for God. And people start coming and they start sharing their stories of heartache from the past or divorce or I'm struggling as a parent right now or I'm worried I'm going to lose my job here and what do I do? And they start sharing prayer requests and he starts praying for people right there during snack breaks and lunch breaks and he starts making an impact on people's lives and he starts making all this money. He's like, this can't be good. I, I can't keep this for myself. I want this to be for God's glory. And so he says, I got to start giving it away. And every year, those of us in his family is like, we get their Christmas card and then we get Mike's Mini Mart annual report uh, with it. And he tells us all the ways that he has donated all this money and that Building B, the fourth floor of Delta, and really the whole building, went on mission for God without even knowing it. And this was a couple years ago, but this is what he sent. This is how your support was transformed for God's mission and purpose. $100 for a ministry called Freedom for 24, a mission in India rescuing young girls from human trafficking. $100 for a women's shelter in Jerusalem hosting Jewish and Arab women. $100 for Operation Christmas Child, shoeboxes full of gifts given to children all over the world. $100 for Bunia Children's Home Center, an orphanage in the Congo. $50 for an Eagle Scout efforts to make 100 fleece blankets for orphanages in the Ukraine. $100 for Samaritan's Purse, assisting with humanitarian efforts around the world. And among many others, $100 lunch food for inner city kids in St. Paul. Among dozens others. And for the 12th straight year, over $1,500 in quarters was given. And he signs it, on mission for him, Mike, parentheses, Stockboy. Please don't say that God can't use you. I don't care if your circumstances are so completely unideal right now. God can use you right where you are and you can make a difference for him. What are you going to do this week that's going to matter for eternity? And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live small. I don't want to live in a small story. And I don't want to wake up 10 years from now saying, I wasted precious days and months and years of my life. I want to make an impact, both personally with my life and as a community. What's God calling you to do in your workplace? What's God calling you to do in your home, in your circle of friends, in your family, at the park, at the ball field, in your meetings, wherever you go? Maybe it's getting involved and starting to serve here at church, and maybe it's signing up for VBS and showing the love of Jesus Christ. Even if you've never worked with kids before, just try it. Just jump in. Maybe it's serving with our breakfast club. Maybe it's serving in a variety of ways here around the church and helping with kids or the nursery or finally taking that leap and joining a small group. God says, I want to use you right where you are. So step out in faith and start living, not just surviving. Start stepping out in faith. Find a place to serve and go on mission because a changed mission equals a changed life. 
It worked for Valjean, it worked for Saul, and it can work for you. God finds you where you are. He calls you out of darkness and into his light, out of death and into life. And so we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to sing about it this morning. And so I invite you to stand on up and we're going to sing Glorious Day together. And I want you to sing it out and let's worship God and thank him for the amazing God that he is. Let's sing together.